Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Chris Franklin from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, the show where we discuss all things related to the Philadelphia Eagles. Before we begin, I want to remind you that you can read our content on nj.com slash eagles and make sure to bookmark that to get the latest Eagles news and analysis. Today, I'm once again joined by my No Huddle Show co-host, Caden Steele. You know, on this episode, we're going to preview Sunday's huge NFC NFC matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. We'll also discuss the Eagles' first-half struggles and if the Eagles can wind up becoming the number one seed in the conference. But first off, Caden, how are you doing today, man? Doing good, doing good. Obviously, we got a big game coming up on Sunday. Uh, we talked about, you know, before we got on the podcast, you know, you've been of a part of them, you know, plenty of different playoff type atmospheres. But for me, this will be really my first time. So I'm excited uh, to see the Niners and, uh, you know, play the Eagles and it could be one of the best games of the year. And then kind of crazy to think about when you go back to last Sunday and with how that game already played out, this game could even be better. So I'm excited about that and excited to get going. You know, I want to start off with this real quick. You know, we talk talk about playoff things. Is there a moment either in in any sport playoff wise that you still, that still really sticks out to you and and really it still resonates and that you still in your mind, like, you know what, this was, this was one of the best cool moments you've seen playoff wise. The one moment that resonates, you know, with me, I think at least when it comes to the Eagles and from the past, you know, five, six, seven years, it's definitely their 2017, um, you know, Super Bowl run uh, that when they got in the playoffs, the first game against the Falcons, not so much, but the NFC Championship game against the Vikings to me is one of the biggest moments in Eagles history. Case Keenum drives down the field in that game and they score on the first drive and I'm sure a ton of Eagles fans were thinking, uh Oh, you know, the Vikings were hot. They're coming off the minute. Uh, you know, the miracle play with Stefan Diggs against the saints in the divisional round. Uh, look, it looks like they picked back off, you know, picked back up where they were. And uh, it looked like it was going to be a really tough game. And then on the next Vikings offensive drive, that's when Patrick Robinson makes the pick six, Ronald Darby lays out for the block. You can see the energy change at the link, uh, that was one moment where everything changed for the Philadelphia's franchise. There was so much confidence in that building. Obviously, they ended up running away with that game and winning the Super Bowl. But that moment, you know, just as much as the Super Bowl was a special, you know, time for the city, I believe, especially when you look back what happened in past NFC Championship games and losing to the Cardinals and obviously Andy Reid, you know, got them there a lot, but they, they've suffered a lot of heartbreak over the years. And that was the one moment where they got over it. They got another chance to play the Patriots and they finished the job. So to me, that's the one moment that kind of changed everything. And it all came down to an unsung hero on Patrick Robinson, a guy that, if I remember right, during that training camp, some people are speculating whether he was even going to make the roster uh, in a, you know, 
improving throughout the season and becoming a really good player for them and kind of changed you know their history from there on out you know i think the, the one that i think uh the memory that comes back for me is when i listen to uh I think about the 2004 year and it had been so many years leading up to that. And you remember the Carolina Panthers, they couldn't get past them. They, the Buccaneers shut down the vet with that loss. And then you had the Rams the year before that beating the Eagles. And you just, it, it was so many times as you thought like, all right, this, these, they had the squad to do it. I mean, you got Brian Dawkins, you had McNabb, you had Westbrook and everything. They had the squad to do it. But that moment when, I think when you saw Dawkins put that hit, I want to say it was Algie Crumpler for, for the Falcons, the Falcons tight end, and you saw that hit and they laid it into it. It was like it just felt different. It also kind of helped that the night before it was like it was this big, huge snowfall, so it was fun. Like it, it felt like the it felt like a like a true like NFL films John Facenda narrating before that. But I thought that was that was a playoff moment that I look back. I'm like, you know what? That that it just encapsulate you know what this this, this playoff atmosphere can be like, and it's cool to do that. But you know what? We're going to transcend to that and, and talk to we have a playoff-type atmosphere, a uh, playoff-like game coming up here against the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, everybody remembers last year's NFC Championship game where these two, two teams went at it. And, you know, there's a, it's some, a little bit of bad blood between the two, you know, with uh, Debo Samuel, uh, 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel lobbing uh, insults over at uh, cornerback James uh, Bradbury, calling him, quote, trash. With, and, you know, see some of the Eagles coming back and it'll be AJ Brown literally going to add for his friend Debo Samuel saying like, okay, Eagles fans troll with him. So, and you had Hassan's Rex comments about what they had to come back in the link. So it's, this is one of the, it, this has the potential to be one of the best rivalries because obviously it looks like the 49ers are going to be the uh, division champion out West. And it looks like we're going to see them probably again next year too. But you got two teams coming in here, still vying for that one seed. Caden, I want to, I want to start with this as well too. What are your initial uh, thoughts about the San Francisco 49ers and where do you think they present an issue for this Eagles team? Yeah, you look at the 49ers start off red hot to begin the year. Then they go on that losing streak. A lot of that had to do with losing, you know, their top guys. Trent Williams being out especially really affected them. Brock Purdy went through, you know, a little bit of a slump, but watched them on uh, Thanksgiving against Seattle on Thursday night and Seattle, to me, isn't exactly a contender or anything, but still a really talented football team that should find a way to make the playoffs in the NFC. And they took care of them you know, pretty easily. And when watching that game, one thing that stood out to me is just how good Christian McCaffrey is. If we're going to talk about best running back in the league, I don't think there's any arguments, especially how he can impact the game, not only as a runner, but also in the pass game. This team is really complete and they were last year as well obviously in the nfc championship brock purdy gets hurt and that's the thing that the 49ers have been swearing up and down about right they ever since they lost that game um whether you like the way they approached it or not they truly believe they would have won that game if purdy never you know tears his ucl and comes you know people forget he has to come back into that game and he can't really you can't throw the ball because josh johnson also gets hurt so a mess for the 49ers so to them they feel like they have something to prove but roster wise uh both teams are stacked both teams are elite um like you said this could be one of the best rivalries for years to come maybe like a another version almost of like 
the Niners rivalry with the Cowboys in the 90s. Maybe just switch out the Cowboys with the Eagles now. I think both teams are set for a long time. Both teams have really good quarterbacks, really good rosters, really good coaches. Uh, the one area um, in this game where I think the Eagles might lose you know, an edge, especially at the linebacker position currently, Shaq Leonard was in the building yesterday, you know, getting a visit, but he, he hasn't made a choice yet and he hasn't signed with the Eagles and probably won't be there Sunday, even if he does, you know, sometime the next few days. And Zach Cunningham's going to be out at least a week, uh, it looks like, with the hamstring injury. So Christian Ellis is going to have to play. So you're going to have Christian Ellis and Nicholas Morrow starting at linebacker. And if you went back to the beginning of the season, you would have never expected that. Christian Ellis. Got, you know, got an early shot in that Patriots game, but got, you know, demoted back to special teams duty. Nicholas Murrow was cut during training camp, but was even on the active roster in week one. So, you go, and, I, you know, Morrow's played well, especially in the uh, replacing uh, Nicobe Dean. But in this matchup, you have guys like George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, even Debo Samuel, who can go across the middle. I'd be worried about those matchups against those linebackers and against those safeties for Blankenship and Kevin Byard. I think San Francisco um, has got one of the best coaches in the league. Kyle Shannon is a very smart offensive mind, and he's going to take advantage of those matchups in the middle, and he's going to do everything he can to get the playmakers um, the ball in their hands, and he's not going to put too much on Brock Purdy. And maybe he'll learn his lesson, you know, from last year, where yeah, Brock Purdy gets hurt, and some of that has to do with bad luck. But San Francisco did not protect him well, you know, on that first drive. They didn't. They didn't block Hassan Reddick with a tight end or anything. Maybe they have some better pass protection, get the ball quick out of Brock Purdy's hands, and just let his playmakers move across the middle. Because honestly, they're better athletes than what the Eagles have at you know at linebacker and safety. Good analysis there as well, too. You know, San Fran comes in with the third best offense in the league. In the, I'm sorry, third best. Yeah, third best offense in the league and the fifth best defense when there, too. So very balanced team that's coming in here. When I look at this, you mentioned the uh, linebacker part, and it's, it's, it's very key, especially, yeah, it was, if I had to surmise what's going on, you know, the waving, having to wave Josiah Scott, defensive back Josiah Scott earlier in a week, they need another, they need some depth of that position. They already used all their elevations on Ben Van Summeren, so they need a clear spot. They just need bodies there at this point because you can't have all those, those guys playing a lot of uh, special teams and everything else. But I think that's the one area that teams have that second level of the defense, the ones where you, the, the teams have really pounded the Eagles at so far this year, especially early on you, you'll see uh you, you, they use those tight ends they use those wide receivers on the crossing routes so the eagles don't like to let let, let let the big play happen so those safeties are playing deep so teams have just been going okay you know what they hit you around 10 yards 15 yards and sustaining drives that ways that ways in, in sort of almost bend but don't break style the eagles are playing so i i look at a game like this where you could see more Kittle running those Texas routes or arrows route, like basically running in the middle of the field. You can see George Kittle just running stops in, in the middle. It's going to be incumbent upon Nicholas Morrow and, and Christian Ellis as well, too. And uh, you got to think that Kyle Shanahan is going to attack him. And yeah, that's a, that's an area that I definitely concern. I'd be concerned about. Now, another area you got to be a little concerned about is is the way that this Eagles offense has started, especially in the first half of games. 
just to give you guys an idea what it's looking like so far in the first half, Eagles offense is rushing the ball. They've done all right, four yards a carry. But when you look at the the offense, the passing things, they only got six touchdowns, but they throw Dylan Hurts throw five interceptions within that thing and within that time period. But somehow this Eagles offense, they they, they go in something about the locker room that at halftime that makes some magic, some magical whatever happens on there. Because second half they come out like gangbusters. You see, we've seen especially the last two games where the Eagles have been down seventeen to seven against the Bills and against the Bills and the Chiefs. All of a sudden, the Eagles' offense comes back and, and there's a sense of urgency. And, and we look at Hertz's numbers in the second half: twelve touchdowns, five interceptions. The run game looks a lot better. It's eight hundred two yards rush, uh, rushing in the second half compared to six hundred sixteen yards in, in the first half. We look at the entire season. Caden, what does this team have to do to come out? and be a lot more effective early on offensively. It's weird, right? Like, how do they have so much success in the second half versus the first half and what happens in that locker room? And especially right now, it's so important for them to figure it out. You have to give them credit for finding ways to pull out games, but eventually these slow starts could come back to haunt them. So in the first half, I mean – Chris, from the press box, we always hear Eagles fans chanting, run the ball, you know, saying some explicitives towards Brian Johnson. But I think well, so you the, said the clean version there. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the clean version. But I mean, it, it, I mean, it might be, you know, common sense or it just seems simple, but it might be a solution just to allow that offense to settle in. We've seen over the last few weeks DeAndre Swift be able to spark this offense, especially in the second half, on some screens and other things like that. But he's proven this year. And, um, that he is an elite running back. We got an article out there today um, that all Eagles fans should check out on DeAndre Swift, but he's been an especially talented you know, running back this year, and you got to get him involved early and often, and maybe that helps the offense settle in, and maybe that helps Brian Johnson settle in. I know he's received a ton of criticism, and he's trying to figure this thing out as a first-year offensive coordinator, taking over for Shane Steichen, who's doing a great job with the Colts. Maybe he just needs to simplify some things, help him get, you know, you know, get the nerves out, be a little more calm in the game. Just get the ball in one of your playmakers' hands, take the pressure off Hurts, allow things to open up a little more, and I th- that's the way to do things. In the last two weeks, a lot of the slow start, I mean, it, it might have to do with them trying to you know, figure out their identity right now without Dallas Goddard. They're trying different things. Um, it hasn't always worked. So going to DeAndre Swift, getting Kenneth Gainwell involved early, just get that ground game going. I think that's the way you can you know, help the passing game you know, ease up early. Maybe it helps calm down Jalen Hurts, eliminates you know, some of those turnovers in the first half. Yeah, you, know, you, you brought up a good, uh, an interesting part when you said identity. Uh, and when you look at this t- offense, what, what do you think this identity is? It's interesting because throughout the year, we've been uh, talking about this Eagles offense and we've seen some, you know, some great moments, you know, right? Uh, A.J. Brown breaking an NFL record. Uh, they've and Jalen Hurts playing out of his mind at times. But through four quarters, there hasn't been to me a consistent identity. I, I, there just doesn't seem to always be a flow within the offense. For, from my perspective, it's a lot of we need Jalen Hurts, you know, to make some crazy plays, you know at the end of games and kind of just, you know, be what he is. is a $255 million quarterback. He's got that ability, and they kind of rely on that clutches. Uh, other times it's been let's throw the ball to A.J. Brown and feed him feed him as much as possible to kind of bail us out of these, you know, out of these slumps. 
But from a general perspective, I do go back to the point I just made a second ago. Although Jalen Hurts is playing, I think, you know, at an MVP level right now, especially the way he's been clutch at the end of games, the identity of this offense still is up front with there's, you know, there's five guys up front who are arguably the best in the league. You got multiple all pros. It's just to run the football and set up some play action. That's where I would go. I think that that's the bread and butter of this offense is just to be more physical, to you know wear teams out defensively, and then open things up with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. It would be nice to have Dallas Goddard, but they don't have that choice right now. So getting back to what they are good to is their identity. And at times, I th- this team to me just overcomplicates things. Or they know what they're good at. They try to do too much sometimes, you know, with some of those funny bubble screens, stuff like that. Just stick to the run, open up some play action, and that's where this team will find success throughout the rest of this year. Not bad, not bad at all. And and, and getting back to the uh, first half first half uh, struggles real quick, the Eagles are going to need to do that because if, when they play the uh, the Niners defense doesn't play around in the second half. When you look at how many – when it goes completion percentage goes down from 70.2% in the first half down to 63.8% per- 63.8%. And also, when you look at the, their touchdowns interception ratio, for all first half, nine touchdowns, four interceptions allowed. Second half, two touchdowns, 11 interceptions they get. So, you got it's going to be imperative on this team to come out and and be a little creative. I mean, we were talking, we were talking earlier this week and talking to uh, Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson. I mean, both of them are saying that, you know, when it comes to that, it's not necessarily changing the script, you know, or the first 15 plays are called, maybe just changing some of those formations just to try to get a read and get out to those quicker starts. But it all comes down to that execution aspect of it. If, if Hertz is not hitting that or if they're not really getting those looks at the bubble screens or, the, or defenses are starting to manipulate the way that the reads are looking, forcing Jalen Hurts to, to run a, a quarterback draw on – Third and fifteen, third and seventeen, what have you? Then you start to get, yeah, start to go back to drawing board. I think it's just a tad bit, and it's, it's it's a chess match, and we're setting up to get ready for this chess match coming up. Now, when you look at this game, you know, there's a lot's on the line. There's, there's an important tiebreaker that's going to be here in terms of who's going to get the number one seed in the NFC. Currently, right now, the Eagles hold the number one seed with a ten and one record and leading the, the NFC East. Niners are right behind them, eight and three. You know that, that lost a couple of weeks ago for them. You know, kind of, kind of opened up, covered up a, a, a little breathing room for the Eagles, along with the Lions, who are in third place in the NFC with an eight and three record, tied with them as well too. Atlanta Falcons, we're going to be, uh, we're going to nicely say you have been nearly mathematically eliminated because somebody has to come out of that dumpster fire to the NFC South. So you have that. But there's another team currently right now that's sitting in fifth place just by them not leading the division, the Dallas Cowboys, also 8-3 as well, too. So, Caden, when we have our podcast after the regular season finale against the Giants, if if you had to say who's – I'm going to ask you this right now. Who's going to be the number one seed and have that bye week, and, and who do you think is going to be playing on a, on a wild card weekend? Yeah, really, to me, it comes down to this weekend, Eagles-Niners. It's a big game. Because when I look at it, I'm going to eliminate the Lions and Cowboys from that discussion. Uh, Here's why. The Lions maybe call me, you know, overreactionary, but the last two or three weeks, I know they beat the Chargers, you know, in a big time thriller, and then they won their next game. But they lost to the Packers on Thanksgiving. And I've seen kind of, you know, some cracks in the walls. Like, 
to me, this Lions team is very good, but they're not great. Uh, at the end of the day, Jared Goff uh, gave a lot of credit to Ben Johnson. He's got him playing some of his best football at different periods throughout the season. But at the end of the day, he's still Jared Goff. There's a reason the Rams moved on from him and wanted to get Matthew Stafford to win that Super Bowl. He, he just doesn't elevate enough offensively for me. And then when it comes to the defense, I still don't think, you know, other than Aiden Hutchison and a few other players, that defense is too great. I think there's some opportunities to beat that secondary as well. And the schedule for them isn't too hard. So, I mean, from that perspective, they should, you know, have a shot at it, but they just lost to the Packers. And I get the Packers are playing better with Jordan Love and things are starting to click for one of the youngest rosters in football. But they looked really, really poor in that game. And the rest of the schedule looks a little harder than it did a couple of weeks ago. The last time we talked, the Broncos are playing better. I get Josh Dobbs looked terrible on Monday night, and maybe that magic's over for the Vikings, but it's still a division opponent. And then they got the Cowboys, and then the Saints, they got them on Sunday. And I get the defense, I get the Saints overall as a team, you know, have not been that great. They just lost to the Falcons, uh, like you mentioned, the first place in the NFC South, and that's a terrible division. But that defense is still pretty good. And I just don't think this Lions team has enough this year to be that top NFC contender. To me, they're fourth of the NFC teams. And then we go to Dallas. The Cowboys, they've done it year in, year out. They always beat the teams they're supposed to beat. But the rest of the schedule, um, it gets tough. They got the Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions. That's a four-game stretch at the end of the year where they're not going to be able to play these cupcake games anymore. And I can't discredit them for beating the teams that they're supposed to beat by a lot. And that's something the Eagles haven't been able to do this year. They haven't been able to pull away from teams. So that's, you know, credit is due where credit is due. They've done a great job. But that is the toughest stretch of the season. And when I look at it, the Eagles have already gotten through that stretch by beating the Bills, by beating the Chiefs. And I'm going to even include the Dolphins from earlier, you know, just two or three weeks before they beat the Dolphins. They're beating some of the top teams in this league, and they're getting through this stretch. And all they got left is San Fran, Dallas, and Seattle. And if they can just not, if they could just win one or two of these games, which they've already proven they could win the toughest games on their schedule, they're going to be in a great place. So I think when we're done this podcast and my predictions I made for for uh, NJ this week, I got the Eagles winning this game against the Niners in a very, very close fashion. And I think that's going to make all the difference. I think Detroit's a pretender. I think the Cowboys are really good, but they're tough. You know, their toughest stretches coming up. And I haven't seen them beat anyone good on their schedule this year other than Actually, no, I haven't really seen him be anyone. And then San Fran, they went through that three-game losing streak in the middle of the season, and I think that's going to come back to haunt them. Wow, I'll say this. Uh, see, for me, I'm looking, I think the winner of the, the the one seed is going to come out the NFC East. And I still think I, I, I still think the Cowboys are still kind of a tough team. I, to me, in my opinion, I think they're the third-best team in this in this conference and I think it's going to be especially that game the Eagles don't for some reason I don't know what Jerry does I don't know if it's the hotel I don't know if it's the water down or what have you it seems like of late they've had issues with playing at AT&T Stadium 
And that concerns me, especially coming up here. I mean, these, these teams always typically split. When you look at this, and I thought they would split this year with both the home teams winning in both games. So I think, I know we still got, we're still, we had the 49ers game. We're not going to, I'm not going to overlook that, but I think that's plays in there. And then the Eagles have to go back home and then go back out again to Seattle, another place where they have issues too. So this game here against the 49ers is going to be imperative. I, th- I th- that they this, this is a must for me. It's a must win game for them because that stretch. I mean, I, mean, I know they're in the middle of the stretch of death, but when you look at this stretch, it's just it's, it's tough. I think they win this game. I can see it being tw- thirty to twenty eight. I just be an uncomfortably close game where you're like, uh, I'm going to need some more tums. I, I'm going to bring that. Make sure I put that in my book bag this time. I'm like going back and forth. If I'm doing the game or going back and forth. I might need those <laughs> stressing. I was like, okay, there might be a, a couple changes writing about what's going on and everything said and done. But I also look at the schedules. Like when, when I'm looking at the Cowboys schedule at Buffalo, who I think uh, if, if you after that after they play the Eagles, they got they go to Buffalo, which I think they pretty much are. I still think they're out of it. So I don't think that if going into the game, I see I probably say, oh, that's a loss. I think they contain it. I think they can actually win up there. Dolphins won. I think it's tough for them to do that. But then they got Detroit at home on a short week. And I think that's a win. And then they got the Commanders, which, yeah, they'll be, I think uh, Ron Rivera will be playing, have his, coaching his final game there. So I see that stretch down there that, that toward the end. And I'm like, all right, that's. I, beforehand, I'd be like, oh, I see like three losses on there. Now, now I'm not so sure. Just boy, these other teams are shaking out. And then I look at the Eagles. I mean, the, the last three games that are, to me, I, and I think they're in the bank. You got the Giants twice, Tommy DeVito. If they get beat by Tommy DeVito, they should they deserve it. Unless unless the last game they clinch everything. It's like, all right, cool. Tommy, just go have at it. It's top because see that barn burner, Tommy DeVito versus Tanner McKee. Yeah, that should be a good one on there, but. Now I, I look at this. I really think it's going to come down to the late, and I think the, I think the Eagles barely pull it off. It's going to be one of those tiebreaker tiebreaker scenarios, but it's going to be a real real battle for this top seed when we're, when we're doing this. But, I mean, we always give our, give our predictions for the 49ers game, Caden. I want to. I think think we should end on this. If you had to say one player this season who has surprised you and come a long way and stood out, what Eagles player would you say was that? Ah, I think there's, you know, a lot of different candidates when it comes to guys that have stood out this year. One guy to me, I didn't expect DeAndre Swift to be this good last year um, in Detroit, kind of lost his role a little bit to Jamal Williams, who got a lot of those touches in the red zone and was a touchdown machine. Uh, And in in Detroit, um, injuries were, were a factor and from a natural talent perspective you could always tell that it was there back to his time at Georgia and St. Joe's prep DeAndre Swift has been one of the more naturally gifted running backs but he never fully you know put it together and this year other than Christian McCaffrey and a few other guys you could argue he's been the best running back in the NFL now they got a decision whether they're going to have to pay him or not, but he's truly made a difference on this offense. And look, Miles Sanders for a couple of years um, was a really productive back. Um, obviously, kind of things did not pan out the end of last year. Lost his role to Kenneth Gainwell in the playoffs, lost his touches, went to Carolina, and we all know how that's gone. But he was a really good player in this offense as well. But DeAndre Swift has taken it to another level. I didn't expect him to be this good, and right now, He's a Pro Bowl candidate, and 
to me, he deserves another contract. Whether Howie Roseman gives it to him because of the his value as a running back, that is to be determined. But with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, they've added a legit fourth weapon, and that's how I would describe him. He's not just a running back because he's just so gifted after the play where I don't – I don't think Miles had that necessarily that ability to juke and kind of to be as agile and create those extra yards. I mean, definitely was a home run threat, but Swift's added a different element and it's helped this offense. And it's going to be really, really pivotal when it comes to the playoffs. Not, not a bad selection at all. I'm going to go the opposite side of the ball. And I'm going to go to a guy who was taken in the first round and, and, and last year, some injuries, uh, sidelined him and, and and stopped his development a little bit but I look at the way that Jordan Davis has been playing and I didn't I, I knew he could be a better pass rusher than what he did if he put the work in park work in and started developing second moves and he's done that and you look at it right now he's got two and a half sacks this year where you look at him it's like wait a minute Jordan Davis has two and a half sacks like I thought he was more like a Ted Washington type, like play that. Not saying he's that guy, but it's a guy who's just going to eat some of the, eat some of those uh, blocks with offensive linemen instead of everybody else. Well, geez, he has done, but he's gotten some pressure on his own, and he's he's been playing lights out. I mean, anytime you get somebody who's three hundred thirty plus pounds, three hundred thirty six pounds, who could run seventeen miles per hour and had that huge play to stop jo- uh, Josh Allen in, in last week's game to pick to prevent him from picking up a first down. Yeah, that's a weapon, all right. And you have him now paired with Jalen Carter. I, I think and when I look at this back from last week, I think we saw a glimpse of what this team could look like for the next for the for the foreseeable future for the future, especially when you see those young tackles and the impact they can have on a game, whether it be defensively or even even on field goal blocks. You know, when he, Jordan Davis was instrumental in helping Jalen Carter get that block there. So I look at them. I look at the way Jordan Davis played and. I've I've been impressed, and I think he's got he's he's got a bright future ahead of him. Continuing to go there. Well, Caden, second uh, you, you finished off your second podcast, man. Uh, how are you feeling after doing that? You you feel comfortable? You, you're back now. Yeah, it feels it feels good, and uh, it's you know great to talk about the Eagles, and especially at this point in the season, it's I think each discussion you know that we're gonna have the rest of the year is gonna get more and more interesting because like we discussed with the number one seed. Everything is kind of on the line right now. So, you know, the Eagles got to, you know, they got to do their best. And, you know, we got to do our best, you know, to produce the best content we can here. You got a lot of competition out there. We got to try our best and uh, <laughs> go from there on that one. But everybody, I just want to remind you guys, thank you guys. I want to thank you guys very much for listening to today's show, lending your time out to listen to us. Make sure, once again, go to nj.com slash Eagles. Make sure to read Caden's work, my work. And we may have somebody else joining us next week, uh, in the next couple of weeks as well, too, who uh, you may see their byline on uh, NJ.com, too. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. For Caden, I'm Chris. Everybody have a good one. <laughs>